Hey, hey, hey. Welcome to another episode of the Anxiety Wide Podcast. I'm your host, Corey. Um, thankfully, you guys are here once again. We got a special episode for you guys. We uh, have someone on here that was not only someone I worked with in the past, but has um, started to pay it forward and started her own community, her own brand to deal with uh, PTSD, anxiety. And um, I, I'm, I'm going to let her talk about it a little bit, but uh, I'm real excited about it. This will be an interesting one. We might even do a little bit of uh, recorded coaching if she's got any questions on that since we have worked together in the past. Um, but uh, do you want to go ahead and say hello and uh, tell us about yourself a little bit and about your community? Yeah, hi. I am the founder of We Are The Evidence, which is a community and platform for victims of sexual assault, their loved ones and supporters, but also anyone in the community who has an open mind and is wanting to learn more about sexual assault and about the realities of sexual assault. Um, because until you do some digging and educate yourself, there's a lot to it that you don't know, and you might have a perception in your head of what sexual assault looks like and what healing looks like. And that might not be completely true, and it'll affect your opinions um, if you've been assaulted and want to report later, or if someone discloses to you, or if you're on a jury even. So we really work to empower people um, to educate themselves about the topic. Mm-hmm. And so from someone that has uh, been through something like that and be beginning to pay it forward, how, how does that transformation come about? Like it's, uh, it's, I'm, I'm proud because I've known you for long enough, but, uh, like how does that, that happen over, over time and to the point where you go from someone that uh, I'm sure you were hiding in the shadows and not sure which direction to go to someone that is now helping other people. I know from, like an anxiety standpoint, what that feels like. But, you know, PTSD is a little smaller part of my story. But uh, could you talk about like how that transformation comes about? It's, it's, a, it's a huge, huge turn. And it's very exciting for me that, that you're doing this now. It's just fun to watch. Yeah, it is really hard. I think the hardest part is you really have to come to terms with what happened. I had to really think through um, my experience and what it meant for me and for my future and realized that there was some good that I could do with it. But that's that's a hard step mm -hmm. to be willing to come to terms with it full-blown because now it is a big part of my life. But it's so rewarding because the information I've learned I can use to help others, and mm -hmm. I already see that um, happening. I've had some amazing conversations, and that makes it completely worth it. Mm -hmm. and, I, and I think a lot of times, just like anxiety, you want it just to be gone from your life, and you, you want to wish that it never would have happened. And Oh, yeah. I wish that... Like to an extent, I didn't have to have this community yeah. or be part of this, but I am. So yep. time to make the best of it. Yep. And for me too, that was the biggest thing is I spent so much time trying to get rid of it and um, wishing that I didn't have to be this person because there was a point where I was fearless, you know, and, and was like, you know, why can't I be that person again? Mm -hmm. and, and, you know, if I, if, if I would have been, been to the point where I was just like, okay, I'm going to accept this mm -hmm. and learn from it. And eventually I'm going to be able to help other people it probably would have been a faster turnaround and, and not so much going into your story, but like, what was the timeline on that? So from the event, the actual event, I'm just, is it all right if I call it an event? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. To like starting your own brand, like how, mm -hmm. how long of a time span was that? Oh, it's been a long journey. So, um, I was assaulted as a freshman in college and it took me three years from the assault to decide I wanted to report so from reporting to court took another year. And during that time was a lot of internal healing um, because I denied a lot up mm -hmm. until I reported. I didn't want to believe it. I didn't want to acknowledge it. So 
from the time I reported to going to court, I did a lot of, well, that's actually when I started talking to you. Mm -hmm. And um, you helped me through figuring out how to get through that in a healthy way. And it was after court that I decided I wanted to pay it forward, that my story and everything was not done just because the trial wrapped up, mm-hmm. that there was more to be done. Yep. And, and uh, why did it take so long? And I, and I think this is something that um, a lot of your a lot of your followers are going to wonder too, is like, how long do I wait to report? Mm-hmm. And so it took you three years. Yep. And I'm sure this is something that you talk about a lot with a lot of people that follow you is like, when do I report? Or I'm mm-hmm. too scared to report? Or what was that process like for reporting actually then? I'm sure it was just, yeah. you know, internally just tearing you up. Um, yeah, like I said, I really, um, I tried to pretend it happened. And to be honest, a lot of why I chose not to report is I didn't know it was an option. Mm-hmm. And I bought into all of the sexual assault myths um, that you might hear about, for example, I thought because I wasn't assaulted by a stranger, that meant it wasn't truly assault. Mm. And so I was like, well, can I report it then? So there's a lot of doubt, a lot of guilt, um, because I didn't fight back 100%. I didn't scream at the top of my lungs. So I didn't know that that was normal. I didn't know that most of the time when you're in a traumatic situation, you freeze. Right. So learning those things and then um, having someone who actually said they'd support me no matter what I did and knowing I had someone behind me mm-hmm. and after that i decided i was ready to report right but you have to know when you're ready yep for sure for sure and it's like for me I, when i was telling my story like the first i don't even know dozen times i told mm-hmm. it i would cry like and i would, I would barely mm-hmm. get through it you know and i knew i was ready to share because i i and all i started doing was telling people what was working mm-hmm. for me and you know um and i think you'll you'll probably say the same thing for PTSD is that when you try to numb a certain emotion, which, you know, obviously for you, it's probably a lot of fear of, mm-hmm. of like it reoccurring. When you try to numb even the bad emotions, it numbs the rest of the emotions. And like you said, you freeze. And mm-hmm. so your emotions get tabled, put on the shelf, and then you really don't feel anything except for fear. Yeah. Because that's the only one you're focused on. And so how did you get the bravery? Um, like, was there... And sometimes there's not like a significant feeling or day or, or thought that changes people's mind to like, okay, I'm going to fight this mm-hmm. with everything I got. Do you know if what, I mean, was it just the support of someone else or finally talking to someone else or admitting it out loud or? I think it was having the support. Um, but also I remember the moment I decided to report, it was like 11 p.m on a Wednesday after like evening. Mm-hmm. And I just kind of jumped right in and decided I'm going to do it. Um, kind of reminds me of what you say about um, box jumps and how those make me nervous and you just gotta not think about it just jump and that's exactly what I had to do and once you open that door it seems to make it easier Mm -hmm. and that's like a lot of thing with anxiety and PTSD is is if you focus on what you're feeling at the time you're probably never going to do it Um, if you overthink it you're probably not going to do it Uh, there's a really good story out about a boxer named Tyson Fury he's like an Irish dude he's like Hmm. 6'9 and uh, he suffered with a lot of mental health issues. And he said that, um, you know, there's there's so many days where he doesn't feel like training. And when you focus on being sore, feeling unmotivated, mm-hmm. just like you focus on being fearful, being anxious, you don't really focus on how you're going to feel after you do certain things for yourself. Mm-hmm. Like when you go work out, when you're done, you're like, yeah, I feel fantastic. Mm-hmm. When you're anxious and you have a small victory, you feel fantastic. Mm-hmm. 
And so for, for people that are listening that have PTSD or anxiety, what, what are some of those little wins that you're like, oh, okay, I can start to feel a little bit better now? Mm-hmm. I would say, um, well, the first time I talked to the actual detective because I was super nervous and it was over the phone, but I got off the phone and I was like, wow, I just told my story beginning to end and it wasn't perfect. Like I broke down, but mm-hmm. I did it. Yeah. And I remember feeling that relief. Yeah. Um, like lighter. Yeah, lighter is a really good word for it. Um, Coming to the gym the first time because the gym was a really tough spot for me and especially group classes with like men who lift weights. Like it was, it was tough. And I remember um, coming and just saying, I'm going to do it and walking away feeling a lot better. Mm -hmm. That was a big one, I think for me. And and I, and I could see it in you right away just because I've been around Mm -hmm. enough people and I was like, okay, that, that girl has, I didn't know who you were and I had never met you and like, okay, that's, that's someone that might need some help. This is how my mind went through it. And you walked in and you saw a giant, bald, tattooed football player. What was going through <laughs> your mind at that moment where you're like, oh, crap, I got to go? Or Yeah, I did. Yeah. Um, I did think. I was like, well, maybe I should come back another time or <laughs> leave. Um, but you were very kind and welcoming. And right away, you came up and asked. I think you even asked, like, are you okay? Yeah, are yeah. you okay? And that made me feel a little bit better. Yeah. And then um, just deciding to push through it and you offered support mm-hmm. and encouragement. So, but yeah, initially I was like, do I need to leave? Do yeah. I need to get out of here? But I'm yep. glad I stuck around. And that's an important thing too, is that, you know, walking into situations and I think especially for PTSD, it's it's like the unexpected surprise, mm-hmm. things that pop up that really set you off. So what are, what, um, kind of backtracking to prior to getting to a point where you can kind of manage your anxiety and stuff. What were some of the triggers for you as someone that has been through a sexual assault? Like what were the main triggers that you discovered over time while you were healing? Um, so being around men, I don't know, especially men who kind of fit the football image for me. Mm-hmm. Um, that was always a trigger and being in gyms. Mm-hmm. Um, again, I think it just fits that image in my mind of, tough guys like working out so that was a big trigger um but also certain like smells oddly enough i find that yeah and um movies can be very triggering and conversations um we hear jokes all the time that are borderline yeah inappropriate about sexual assault and those don't just make me uncomfortable they make me i'm very anxious Mm -hmm. or they can and learning to identify that that's why i'm anxious has been really important to say mm-hmm. I'm anxious because this person said this right. or they look like this and then working through it from yep. there. And, and I think identifying exactly why you are feeling exa- anxi- uh, anxious is, is a good point. It's a good jumping point to get through the situation. Mm-hmm. And I think that's, that's kind of a learned behavior. And, you know, um, I, I talked about this at one point that, you know, anxiety is pretty habitual. You know, it's, it's a habitual it's a habit of, of thinking fearful thoughts mm-hmm. and then wishing they were gone, which is kind of, you know, the, the hard part of it is that we wish something was gone and it's the only thing we can focus on. Yeah. Yep. That's exactly it. The more anxious you get, the more you focus on that anxiety. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you might be able to answer this too, is I've, I've heard many times that people that are in those situations that do freeze, mm-hmm. they turn on their other senses and that might be why the smell thing is, Mm-hmm. Were are the the smells that trigger you are the ones that were in your the event or is it just remind you of that time in your life or is it specific to something? I'd say both. Um, 
I do think some of it's related to the specific event, but I do think a lot of it's related to that time in my life. Um, so when I had to go back to the area for a court, like even just being in the area was really triggering, which mm. I thought was interesting because I had a lot of positive memories. Right. And it was unfortunate, but I think that whole time frame, I just wanted to block it off and move on from yeah. it. And I've had to learn to forgive myself for feeling that way, mm-hmm. which has been really tough. But I think that's important too, especially with PTSD, because your body is trying to protect you. It's saying the situation put mm-hmm. you in a harm, put you in harm's way. So let's avoid it. Right. You have to reframe your thinking yep. in your mind. Your flight or fight kind of pops up. And so that's a good point. What what does you know PTSD look look like in people? Like what what is okay mm-hmm. that person like? For me, I'd be able to say, yeah, that's anxiety, but I wouldn't be able to say, yeah, that's PTSD. I think a lot of them are very similar. I think PTSD is kind of, um, people think of flashbacks and paranoia, which can be part of it. But I've seen a lot of people who might have PTSD where their main symptoms are anger or they have physical symptoms like ulcers or inability to sleep. So if you've gone through something traumatic and you have these health concerns or these mood concerns, I think it's worth getting addressed. I see a lot of anger and I don't think people expect that, mm-hmm. but people who have PTSD can yep. be angry. Yep. Well, and that's, that's what I was saying earlier too, is that you wish it was gone or you wish mm-hmm. it would have never happened. And I think the anger comes from not being able to do anything about it. Mm-hmm. Also with the event, not being in control of the situation and not again, being able to do anything about it. Right. Yeah, and a lot of guilt, too, because yeah. of that. Um, I think PTSD tends to be just a little different because we have so much guilt related to what happened. Mm-hmm. And so you have to work through not just the anxiety, but also that guilt, that self-blame that you might be feeling. Yeah. that Like, for you, for self-blame, was it like, I wish I would have done more or fought harder mm-hmm. or... Yeah, yeah, a lot of, I wish I... Well, wish I had not put myself in that situation. Mm-hmm. I mean, it had seemed perfectly safe at the time, but right, right. you still blame yourself, wishing that... I had done more at the time and then wishing I had reported right away. Mm-hmm. Like, why didn't I immediately go to the cops? Yeah. Why didn't I call 911? But your mind's not there mm-hmm. after an assault. It's worrying about protecting yourself. Survival mode. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. And and now it's like, okay, I can't do anything about that anyways. So what is the biggest effect I can have with what I've been given? Mm-hmm. And I think that's what you're doing with your, with your platform. And we are the evidence. And, um, you know, how does someone... Um, how does someone support someone that's been through sexual assault? I think that's that's something that I would want to know. Like, how can I, you know, especially being being a guy, mm-hmm. how do I help, you know, a, a female that has been sexual assault? Like, I'm sure you've had relationships in your life that are, are, are hard after something like that, you know? Mm-hmm. Well, I think the first thing is to educate yourself, which is why I think it's important to look into all kinds of topics because you never know it's going to come your way. Mm-hmm. But if someone comes to you and says, I've been sexually assaulted, do some digging, do some research, um, see what that looks like, because then you're not going to ask the victim blaming questions like, well, what were you wearing? Were you drinking? Because that just puts some guilt and blame on the victim. So educate yourself and then offer to be a support no matter what they decide to do. So mm-hmm. you can say like, have you thought about reporting? Like, do you know if that's still an option for you? Um, and just offering that support, but not making them feel they have to. So if you want to report, I'd be happy to go with you. Or if you don't want to report, I'll still support you. And you're in no way less valid um, mm-hmm. in what happened. And then um, taking care of yourself, because you can't be a strong support if you're falling apart too. And right. secondary trauma is something I'm really passionate about. Um, I was going to ask you about that. So. Yes, I... PTSD has a ripple effect and it touches those around you. And so if 
someone you love has been sexually assaulted, you might feel some of those same PTSD symptoms, the anger, the lack of sleep, the ulcers. Um, I mean, and it's powerful. And right. It can ruin your relationship. It could ruin your health. So take care of yourself and consider your, your own mental health and looking mm-hmm. for services if you need it. What does uh, communication look like with uh, relationships, both like friends and, you know, significant others in, in uh, the PTSD and um, sexual assault uh, cases? Like, what do you, like, how does, how does, I mean, a lot of that has to be, and I'm just thinking out loud here, guys, um, like a lot of that has to be more on like the, um, the victim's terms, mm-hmm. would it be? Or is it, I mean, is it, well, how is, how is that like reciprocated, the communication aspect of that? That's a good question. And I think it probably differs for everyone. One thing I find really common though when I talk to people is they want to know it's okay to talk about their experience because as a victim, we feel bad and we feel like we're burdening you by yeah. talking about our experience. So if you know someone's, been through something like this and maybe they seem to be having a bad day letting them know that you're capable of handling that conversation saying something along the lines of like I know this is tough and I might get emotionally upset because I care about you but I'm still able to listen if you want to talk Mm -hmm. a lot of us want to share our story and we just feel like we can't because people don't want to hear it Mm -hmm. so opening that door I think is really important Yep, and I remember the first few times we started talking, you kept apologizing for asking questions. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and you felt like you were burdening me. And it's like, for me, it's like, and I always tell people that when I'm working with this, like, I wish I would have had somebody to, that had a little bit of an understanding of what I was going through. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, and I've said this on the, sh- the podcast before, is like, I, I promised myself that if I ever got better, I was going to help as many people as I could. And, you know, you were one that I, I was like, yeah, I need to help that girl just because I could see it in, in, her, in her eyes. And I was like, you know, I, I know she's, I, I didn't even know what you had been through. Mm-hmm. I just knew that there was something that was, was um, powerful inside of you both, you know, so that whatever happened, but also what was to come. And so, and just being honest there, that's, I was like, okay, I'm going to do whatever I can to help this girl. And so anytime you ever said that, I was like, no, it's not, it's not. <laughs> It's not a burden. Like I promise you, it's not. It's 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 helpful for me too as someone with anxieties. I I continue to learn about it, and I can mm-hmm. and, and I'm sure you can attest to this too. With now that you're helping people that have been through the same thing, is there's people that you help that aren't as far along in their healing as you are. Mm-hmm. And so, um, you know, with your your community and your brand, what are what are some of the most common or um, typical kind of conversations you have with people that reach out? Um, sadly, this one saddens me anyways. A lot of people ask me if they can tell me their story and I can tell them if it was or was not sexual assault, which breaks my heart because people are that uncertain. Hmm. And I tell them, um, there's a legal definition and we can go into whether your experience matches the legal definition. Um, and if you report, they'll go into that with you also. But I mean, if you feel violated, if you felt that you did not give consent, if you were not able to give consent, then... I mean, we have those conversations about Mm -hmm. how hard it is to recognize that you were violated. A lot of people also reach out and ask about just how to get through the day sometimes, Mm -hmm. Um, which, I mean, it's hard to talk about, but there's so many good tips out there. Um, Like think about five good things or think about one thing you can do to make your day 5% better. It doesn't have to be the perfect day, Mm -hmm. but how can you make it a better day? Right. I like to talk about that a lot. Yeah, reframing is is better than the fix. Mm-hmm. Like you know, it's you know we're conditioned to take one pill and feel better, mm-hmm. but I don't think that's applicable in all situations. Right, and I think telling people it's that easy is would mislead them. Yep. So saying yeah, it's not going to get better overnight. Mm-hmm. Yep. And so if people like you know they meet that legal definition, what are some of the resources they can reach out to mm-hmm. and, and look into? Uh, 
Who do they contact even? Like, I'm sure people ask you that all the time. Yep, they can. And so I ask them if they're ready to make a report. Um, and they can call law enforcement and they'll get put through to the right person. And they can ask if they can bring a support person with them. Um, and you can report and not always necessarily have to choose to pursue prosecution. Mm -hmm. um, in fact, Minnesota is a state where they encourage you to report just because if you report your statute of limitations goes longer. So you can report, let's say, after five years and then choose to pursue criminal action like three years after that. Mm. So just reporting to get it on file. Um, so yeah, I'd say if you're interested in reporting, research, educate, mm -hmm. and even call your law enforcement agency and ask, like, what would it look like? Um, because that can comfort you too, mm -hmm. just being prepared. I know if you don't know what to expect, it's really hard to want to do it. Yeah. Control is really big for if you've gone through a trauma. You want yep. to keep everything controlled as best you can. Yeah, and, you're, and it's, terrify, it's terrifying to even, like, speak about it, I'm sure, or even pursue, like, mm -hmm. um, get, like getting help is just terrifying. I mean, even not, not necessarily just with, a, with an, a sexual assault, but, like, for me, when I, like, I always had this imaginary thing in my head, like, everybody sees me as this person. Mm -hmm. If I admit to having a struggle with mental health, the facade is gone. Yeah. You know, even though I knew I wasn't that person, everybody else thought I was. Yes. Yep. That stigma is so big. A lot of people don't want to be seen as the victim of sexual assault or as the person who went through X, Y, and Z, no matter what it is. Mm -hmm. And that's hard. And I guess my challenge then to people is to try and break that stigma mm -hmm. by being open about what happened to you and showing them that you can be successful. You can still be doing all these amazing things. And I'm sure the most powerful thing for you was speaking that truth out loud. Like, and, and that oh, was, yeah. that was the course correction that you needed to start healing. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Um, like going to court, that whole process was terrible, but it was 100% worth it because after it was all said and done, I looked at myself and said like, yep, that's, that's who I am. I saw myself in the mirror. Mm -hmm. I took some of that control back and yep. that was huge. And it came from sharing my story and sharing it with him and strangers and loved ones, mm -hmm. but just coming out about it. Yep. And you took your power back. Yeah, like absolutely. The, the event and situation didn't have power over you anymore. Like mm -hmm. you took it back by healing through that and, and um, through that situ that uh, the courts and, mm -hmm. and speaking that truth and the process of, of getting to the point where you're at today. How, how did you deal with the anxiety of PTSD? What were some of the coping um, tips and tricks that you people always love the tips and tricks because it's fun to try that yeah. stuff because it might work it uh, should be fun to try it yeah it's not CrossFit. necessarily always fun yeah and, uh, well and CrossFit isn't always fun but no. yeah, CrossFit right, yeah. is a big one because it um, makes you mentally tougher mm -hmm. it's not just about physical toughness but you have to do things that you look at the whiteboard and you say no way and then you do it like I remember the first handstand with you yeah. um, I didn't think I could do a handstand and we did it. Yep. And so CrossFit was a big one for me because you're always pushing barriers. Um, but I also think like relaxing so that yoga piece, um, meditating, which I will be honest, is a hard one for me because mm -hmm. I don't have the patience. Right. Um, and meditating brings forth a lot of powerful emotions, but it's important to address those powerful emotions. Um, box breathing is a big one, which you've talked about. Um, and I love that. And I've shared that tip actually with others. Oh, good. Um, good deal. That one's huge. And then being outside is a really big one for me. Mm -hmm. um, even if it's 30 below out, wrap up, yeah. go take in a deep breath for like breath of cold air. Mm -hmm. And I think that's really grounding um, just to get outside, take your shoes off, put your feet in the grass. Yep. Those are what I would suggest. So what, what about having a bad day? Like how do you deal with that? Do you 
fight it or do you allow yourself to have a meltdown or do you want to... <laughs> that's so i'm the personality type where it is really hard to yeah. have a meltdown um and i've learned to reach out um whether it be to you or mm-hmm. to someone who doesn't even know what's going on and just say like hey i'm having kind of a tough day and talking which is vulnerable yep. and very hard to do but it helps just to kind of say it once you get it out there it seems easier to tackle and then I'm a really big fan of to-do lists. So if mm. I'm having a bad day, I'll say if I accomplish these five highly attainable, relatively easy things, then I can be proud of myself mm. and say it was a good day. And that works for me. And those things could be do the dishes, yeah, go on a five-minute walk. Yeah, adulting, yeah. really. I mean, sometimes mm-hmm. adulting is even hard when you're, when you're suffering. You know, it's yeah. like I remember just having piles and piles of laundry. Like I just, I can't even do laundry right now. I just, and I, I shut myself in and it was kind of my own doing, but mm-hmm. like just doing little things like the first, like when I finally did my laundry, I'm like, oh, okay. I feel kind of a cop. Like it was just, it was something so dumb and like, you know, remedial, but mm-hmm. I was like, oh man, I guess I did can do that. Yeah. You, know? you feel good afterward. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, um, let's get more into, uh, the community. Like what are some of the resources that you guys provide? Like, um, so what what is like your like main goal of mm-hmm. of creating this? Like what do you want um, to come yep. out of it? So as, we, as of today, I'm sure that'll that'll change over time. But I know it's already changed so much. It's um, exciting to see where it's going. But mm-hmm. um, my main priority right now is I'm writing a book, which I'm hoping to have out um, within the next year. Awesome. And then we just launched our website, which is weareevidence.com. There's no the. Um, so that can be confusing, but just weareevidence.com. I'll link that in the show, guys. And um, it has like some tips on like what to do when you report, what not to do, what to do when you're supporting someone, what not to say. Um, so we just launched that. And then we have a pretty active Instagram community of people who love to support one another, um, which will post like a question and answer every Monday and try and get some feedback. And I mean, questions like how do you know when you should date again or... Um, what is a trigger? How do you handle your triggers mm-hmm. and trying to have those conversations? Okay, cool. That's awesome. Um, okay, so tell me more about your book. I am it's hoping, exciting. Yeah, it is <laughs> exciting. It's the vision I had um, right after I walked out of that courtroom and I said something needs to happen. I'm wanting a comprehensive resource for victims of sexual assault that will also give some insight to other people's stories and what they have gone through mm-hmm. to help um, comfort and validate what the victim's going through. But I'm I'm really excited. I think it'll be a great resource. Yep, I do too. And what do you call people in your community? Uh, we like to call ourselves testifiers, um, even if you never went to court because you're testifying your story and your change. Yep, that's awesome. It's fantastic. And it's, 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 I don't know what the emotion is for me, but I'm very proud of like, for you, like just seeing this uh, light come, come back into your life and, and see you kind of flourish now. And, and in that, and that might be just my perspective, like what are some of the struggles that you still have, even though that you're, you know, this far out? And I mean, you and I don't talk as often uh, as far as an anxiety standpoint. Now it's more like, Oh, what am I doing with X, Y, and Z for my brand? But like, what are some of the struggles that you still have, even though you're, and, and I'll, I'll talk about mine after you, but like, what are some of the things that still kind of rear its ugly head and pop into your life when you don't want them to? Um, so still stuff at the gym and I don't know if that'll ever go away. Um, and it's actually kind of funny cause someone used my jump rope and not a big deal, but to me, I instantly got angry and got put in that like bad 
anxiety place. And I realized it was because to me it was like va- or violating my boundaries because mm. they didn't ask for right. consent. And so that was really interesting. So stuff like that keeps coming up. Um, and then conversations. I've had to learn as much as I love We Are the Evidence to have time to separate myself from right. it and do some self-care. Um, turn my phone off yeah. and turn the computer off and not be plugged into any technology, which is really hard. Yeah. Um, so that's still there. But a lot of just healing. Um, so I'm past the denial play, or place, but I still get like sad sometimes. Mm-hmm. And so having to acknowledge those emotions and figure out how I'm going to work through them that day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's, the, that's a really important piece, guys, is that acknowledging your emotions and dealing with them first. Um, it's very hard to have any kind of rational thought process or decision-making process mm-hmm. if you're emotional. Yes. And um, I think if you can acknowledge that and, and allow yourself to feel it, it'll go way faster. Um, you know, emotions are just like thoughts. They're visitors in our life. They don't have to stick around unless we hold on to them, you know, or we lock the house and keep them inside. Right. And, um, you know, it's it's important piece to just let them go mm-hmm. and, or, you know, feel them, write them out. And sometimes it's okay to say, that was weird. You know, like you said, with the jump rope, like, well, that's interesting. Mm-hmm. And that's that's an important part of healing is an, instead of blaming the other person, being like, well, what what was really that all about? And you know it was like your boundaries. Yep. Like it's it's small scale compared to the event that happened to you, but that's mm-hmm. a violation of your boundaries. Mm-hmm. And so you're like, oh, wow, that's still there. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's yeah, small it's scale. Interesting. Yeah, interesting. Yeah. Yep. It just comes up sometimes, and you're like, oh, yeah. where'd that come from? Yep. Yeah, and for me, it's it's weird things every once in a while, like before I go to bed, because mm-hmm. that's when my worst anxiety was. It's like I had a hard time winding down at night. Okay. Um, you know, I for there was three years that I would do two things. I would sleep with my ice pack on my heart. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I've talked about that before. It's just it's crazy for me to think about now, but to try to slow my heart down because it was mm-hmm. racing. And the other thing is I would pray for an hour straight mm-hmm. and never got a result. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, we talked about this with, with uh, Swedberg when he was on. But, like, at night, it's still hard for me every once in a while. I don't know. And I and I can never pinpoint it, mm-hmm. which is the hard part for me. Mm-hmm. And so it, it's, um, for me, it's a process of just an analyzing and asking questions. Well, did this bother you about that? Or did this bother you about that? And sometimes I get an answer and sometimes I don't. And I think yeah. um, what I've seen in you is that, there's a little bit of that resilience um, in you that you're going to ask questions of, to yourself first. Mm-hmm. And then when you get stuck, you're like, hey, wh- what do you think about this? Mm-hmm. And I think the most important part for a lot of people that do suffer with PT- PSD, PTSD is to find someone they can talk to. And yeah. once, like, what was the, obviously I was the one that approached you, but like mm-hmm. someone that reminded you of the event, how, what was the thought process of like okay i'm gonna actually talk to this person about some like i knew something bad happened i didn't know what and i mm-hmm. never really asked mm-hmm. i just okay like let's figure out how to keep you safe in the, the gym like in a safe headspace that was my approach but what was the point where you're like finally like i'm gonna you know kind of share some of the things that are going on it was gradual yeah but even just initially what was like the turning point for you to reach out there's two um conversations that come to mind and the first one is you just saying it was a safe space Mm -hmm. so like you didn't know what was really going on but you knew enough to say that and that opened the door or Mm -hmm. started to open it and then again with like the handstand thing Mm -hmm. um 
because that's a vulnerable thing. It was scary. And for me, it was more than just about doing a handstand. It mm-hmm. was doing a handstand in front of people, like not being able to run away if I needed to, because I'm literally on my hands. Yeah. Um, and you, you approached me and you made it seem safe mm-hmm. and okay to talk about it. And then you helped coach me through it and saying things like that you were like you're proud of me mm-hmm. and I could tell that it was more than just because I did a handstand but because yeah. I did something I didn't think I could do mm-hmm. and that made it easier to talk to you and start to open up yeah. um, so a lot of it was on you <laughs> which <laughs> right. I think that's something for people who are supporting people mm-hmm. who have gone through tough things to know it's hard for us to reach out sometimes mm-hmm. um, well and I knew that you were guarded I wasn't sure like I said I didn't know what happened like I, mm-hmm. I do now like because we talked about it once you got to a point where you're comfortable sharing some of it but I knew that you were feeling guarded and I'm like, okay. Mm-hmm. And you tried the, the handstand by yourself mm-hmm. and like, I could tell like, okay, I'm going to just give her a little nudge, mm-hmm. you know, give her, be positive because I know if she does this, there's going to be a, a change because mm-hmm. that's being upside down on your hands. For me, it's vulnerable because I think about my neck, mm-hmm. but like you said, for you, it's like, I don't have an escape. Yeah. So yeah. <laughs> that's a, a point for your anxiety is like you probably go in a lot of places and need to know mm-hmm. where your escape plan is. Do you still do that or is that less often? I still do. I try to be less obnoxious about it is the word <laughs> I'd use. Um, but like at the gym, you'll notice I still hang out like kind of by the garage door where I can see everyone. Mm-hmm. Um, and it just brings me some comfort and yeah. I don't think it's harm harming me to do that. So no. I let my brain do that cause it makes it a little happier mm-hmm. at restaurants. I still like to see the exits. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I still do all those things. Yeah, and that's good. That's called a boundary. And mm-hmm. you know, I think that's super important for people with PTSD is to set those boundaries. But you have to let if you're with someone else, you have to let them know why. Yeah. I think that if you're just doing this, they're gonna be like, What's mm-hmm. the deal? And it's gonna cause a lot of friction. Mm-hmm. So, you know, being someone that's in a in a relationship, like, is that hard to was it hard to when you have those boundaries, was it hard to bring that other person into that space and say, this is why I'm doing this stuff? Yes. Every time you do it, it's hard and puts you in a vulnerable place. And another thing, too, is a lot of people who have been um, through some kind of trauma got a bad reaction the first couple times they opened up to someone. Not everyone, but a lot of us have had bad experiences with that. And so it's it's, it's really hard mm-hmm. to open up. Um, and I really try to tell people just to do it anyways because Mm -hmm. even if some people react poorly part of it might be they don't know any better and so if you are strong enough and mentally okay try to educate them but if you're not just move on take care of yourself because that's hard and then find someone a little safer maybe to open up to Mm -hmm. and i think opportunities to do that keep presenting themselves like Mm -hmm. i uh i can't remember i was talking to somebody from where i lived in iowa um uh, a little while ago here and we were talking about some memories and it was after that conversation and I was driving because we were talking on the phone and I was like, you know, I wonder what, because that would have been a person I would open up to. I never did. Mm-hmm. But I'm like, I wonder what other opportunities presented themselves for me to open up. And, and this is kind of irrelevant, but like, it was just like, they were there. Like I just yeah. did, I wasn't ready to see them that's and that's point. okay. Yeah. And I think that the most important thing for people that have anxiety, and this may be true for PTSD is that continue to work on yourself because opportunities are going to keep popping up. Mm -hmm. You just have to work on yourself long enough that um, you're ready to um, reciprocate that opportunity. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Cool. 
So what else you want uh, people to know about We Are the Evidence or your story or anything like that? I think that pretty well covers it. I would just say even if this doesn't affect you directly, educate yourself. Like I said, who knows who's going to come to you and disclose who knows what jury you're going to get called to be on. And then if you are called to be on that jury, to not shirk it off or try to avoid it because mm -hmm. that's a really big responsibility and, I mean, that's a big decision. So mm -hmm. it's important to be educated. Yeah. Well, this is just came into my mind here because you talked about like jury and I thought about like a judge and mm -hmm. so the Supreme Court Kavanaugh thing came up. Yeah. Um, and I don't know how much you read the news or anything like that, but like in, and that might be why you turn off social media is like when that stuff pops up, does that still kind of get that little, uh, <laughs> the mm -hmm. butterflies going and the anxiety going and that stuff's in the media? Yeah, it gets the butterflies going, but so it's triggering for a lot of people, but it's also very dismissive um, because whether or not what happened that was accused happened knowing it was dismissed the way it was mm -hmm. i think um and handled the way it was is very dismissive and it makes it i mean i was already going to court like at that time so i knew what i was gonna do but i can't imagine what's like for women who want yeah. to they're probably report. like well what's good is it going to be report if they're yeah. going to just get away with it anyways yeah. yeah so it's tough i think it's it's still like regardless of the outcome i think it's still important to take that power back yeah, absolutely. So you, you can't do that to me, mm -hmm. no matter what. And um, I and I think self care is the most important piece of that, mm -hmm. no matter what happens. I told I was going to ask you another question. I totally forgot. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> okay. my mind just went down that the whole thing. I can imagine that that was that was very difficult. Yeah, but like you said, it's not about the verdict. It's one hundred percent about getting that power back. Mm -hmm. um, and it sounds. I mean, that's what everyone told me as I was getting ready and I dismissed it. I was like, yeah, no, it's definitely about the verdict, but it's not Yeah. at all. It's about getting that control mm -hmm. and putting your story out there in front of your assaulter or your perpetrator and their family. Cause they might be there and the judge and 12 random jury members. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I, I just remembered, I was going to talk about that. You do post a lot about like stories and, and, um, newsworthy, uh, not newsworthy, but news um, clippings on your on your uh, social media about stuff that comes up yep. in this space and so it's it's also a good resource to learn about different situations so um we are evidence.com mm -hmm. and i'll post all your social media too Thank so you. anything else you want to talk about no yeah. awesome well i appreciate you uh, being on here and i, I just want to tell you that i'm very proud of you thank you've you you've come a long way <laughs> it's it's amazing just to see this light in you and um you know i've, I've kind of feel like a big brother. Yeah, <laughs> you know, I would see, agree. That's kind of what sister, feels like. <laughs> uh, uh, get a little sparkle back. And so uh, thank you for being on. And uh, yeah, keep her going. Thanks for having me. You bet. It's awesome. <laughs>